Hello and welcome back to the Third Period Podcast, where we take a look at the UK's ice hockey leagues. We're sponsored by Willie's Ice Hockey Emporium for all your ice hockey needs. Check them out. Good evening and welcome back to the Third Period Podcast. I'm Ash and with me tonight we have Danny, Ross and Scott. Evening guys, hope you're all okay. And we've got a fifth person joining us tonight. He is the final instalment of our Netminder Month, a player who's played in the IHL, the ECHL, the WCHL, AHL and EIHL to name just a few. Played in Newcastle in 2005-2006, played in Coventry between 06 and 08 and made a brief return to the league in 2015 with Dundee. We welcome Trevor Koenig. Thank you for joining us this evening, Trevor. How are you? Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. All is good. Uh, trying to do my best to take care of myself during these times of isolation. So lots of time to do podcasts, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely lots of time to do a podcast. So, Trevor, we'll we'll start with the 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 question everybody likes to ask. First memory of ice hockey for yourself. You cut out there, Danny. It was everybody likes to ask a question and then first, okay. and then I didn't hear the rest. I'll I'll, I'll go again. Um, so, yeah, first uh, mm-hmm. memory of ice hockey for yourself, then Trevor. The first memory of ice hockey would be four or five years old. My dad uh, building a rink in the backyard and then, uh, yeah, playing a little bit organized hockey. And I didn't know what position I wanted to play, I don't think. And they stuck me in net. And every other person they put in net, they couldn't get up themselves. And when they put me in net, I could stand up without a parent running on the ice. So they said, well, it looks like we got ourselves a goalie. And I guess that's how it all started. <laughs> so I suppose that answers the next question we had here, which is obviously why a netminder? Someone clearly picked it for you then. A little bit, yeah. And some people say you're born a netminder and some people... Uh, say it's developed and for me I guess it was kind of a little bit of both I was the youngest kid in school I was the youngest kid playing in the back alley and so when you're the youngest kid a lot of times they put you in the net because you don't keep up as the player but I also think I had the mentality for it as well Uh, now that I have a son of my own and he's born in December and I'm born in December you start to recognize the big differences of a child born in the first three months of the year and the last three months of the year and how they're always playing catch up. And I didn't know that when I was younger. And so that could have been part of the reason, but I also think that I just had the mentality for it. No, I definitely had the mentality from what I recall from when you were with the Blaze. So I suppose the, the kind of next mm. question that we've got that's come in from someone that always likes to ask these questions is, did you ever think... Or when did you think you'd ever take it up as a career and go pro? Uh, I think it's always a dream. It's always a dream. And maybe more so now with all the kids and the, and the internet and the world being smaller with being able to watch everything online all the time, instant access. But when I was growing up, it was on TV when we were lucky. Night on a Saturday or Friday, but it wasn't something where you dreamed about it. You just wanted to play hockey as long as you could. And for me, around the age of 17, I started to notice that 
team because it went from four teams to one team and one and then from there it just kind of fell place something meant to be and I ended up getting out well maybe I'll just keep playing as long as I can and as long as people offered you contracts, you kept playing as, as long as you could. And I stretched it out till I was almost 40, 42. So I tried to do my best to play as long as I could. Trevor, going back to uh, your college career in the NCAA, what's it like playing uh, whilst you're studying? What's How much is the mix? Is it is it a tough thing to do, especially obviously being a netminder? I can imagine that's quite mentally tiring. Hello. So you you can focus pretty hard on your and play. Can you hear me? I didn't hear you there, though. Okay. Um, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Yeah. Yeah. So, if, okay. if, did yeah. you hear my question, Trevor? Yeah, I yeah, said. Okay. When you go to school, um, you only play games on the weekends. So you have a little bit more time, but that being said, you still practice every day. And it, it's, it's a tough adjustment for that first year. And some kids make it, some kids, some young adults fall off after that first year. And it's kind of a, a hard lesson on being organized because your time is, is, and it's not a lot of free time. So you're going to school from eight, nine o'clock in the morning till three, four, practicing from four to six, eating dinner squeezing in a bit of studies and repeat the next day, repeat the next day. So you got to be organized. You got to be focused. And then uh, I think once you got on the ice, that was kind of a release where you could say, okay, now I can just let my brain relax and not think about things. And then obviously when I came to Coventry, I got on with the uh, NBA program there and you had a little bit more free time because you're playing pro hockey and the practices were later, but luckily with the college in New York, uh, it gave me a good memory of what to do when you're studying and playing hockey. So it was kind of nice that Coventry had that NBA program and I was able to take advantage of it. So, so at the end of the, the college career, you, you move into the uh, ECHL. Uh, how did that move come about? Yeah, I guess if I could have been a little more effective in some training camps, I would have uh, missed the ECHL, but that's where it went the first year. It was up and down between the IHL and the ECHL. And I didn't have an NHL contract, so I had to prove myself again. And that's the story of going from a big fish in a small pond to being a small fish in the biggest pond there is when you're trying to compete for the NHL jobs. And there's countless teams in the American League and countless teams in the coast and countless teams in Europe. And the competition is unreal. And you realize that... Uh, you better start putting in even more work than you thought you had to if you want to make a go at this. And so, yeah, the next four, five, six, seven years, I dabble around all over the place. And some of it is timing and some of it is taking advantage of that shot or that that chance you get. And for me, some of it, uh, I, I came down with a, a knee injury there three years into my pro career when I thought I was starting to find my stride where I had an ACL injury. So there's many circumstances that can determine whether you move up the ladder or, you know, end up toiling in the minors and coming to Europe as well. It's a, it's a highly competitive market and 
you have to be ready those first two, three years you hit the pro circuit because you only get one or two chances. And then there's 100 other guys that want that same opportunity in the same job. You had uh, five seasons playing for San Diego Goals. Uh, also got a call up to the AHL for one game playing for Cincinnati Mighty Ducks. Uh, tell us about the experience you've had uh, playing for like five seasons for the San Diego Goals and getting your call up to the AHL. Yeah, it came about my third year when I tore my ACL. I kind of let go of the East, East Coast Hockey League and switched to this West Coast Hockey League, which is an older man's game with better pay, but no real chance of moving up. And it could have been, and it probably was, the wrong career move. But when you come into a city like San Diego, it's a hard place to leave. It's an easy place to visit and a hard place to leave. And the money was good. I ended up buying a condominium there. And I love my time there, but it was not the best career move. Uh, it was not a move that moved me up the ladder. And they tried to keep you there with promises of, oh, uh, we'll get you some games in the American League and we'll try to promote, promote your career. But really, it's an older man's game there that they focus on winning and earning money. And I got the call up to the American League, but it more or less was a token call because I was doing well there and they had promised it, but it wasn't a real shot like you can get in the East Coast League. And it could have been my Achilles heel to, to, to stay in San Diego. That's probably something that I shouldn't have done, but I sure liked it. So after all that, it was a, uh, the move to the UK is happening, uh, but could have ended up in Coventry sooner, if I remember. Uh, Tommy could have signed you in 0506, but that didn't go through, did it? I don't remember that, to be honest. Um, I remember leaving San Diego and going to play in Atlantic City and then thinking, okay, it was time to go uh, abroad. And the only team that had showed interest or where the agent had found interest was Newcastle. And I played one year in Newcastle, and that's when Tomo approached me after he won the playoffs and said, you know, we got this NBA program and we got this and that. And the more I talked about it, the more I became interested in decided that yeah I, I think that's something for me yeah you, you mentioned uh, Newcastle you uh, obviously went on to win the playoffs and also you had a team full of uh, tough men so I'm sure that you uh, felt pretty safe uh, in between the pipes yeah I have to say that Newcastle was one of the funnest years I've had after leaving San Diego because it was just a team of hard knocks and, and bucket listers and guys that nobody gave anybody credit a first year team and for some reason we gelled and everything came together and uh it's a team that shouldn't have won anything but in the playoffs where it's a one game playoff and you play tight defense and you hook and you grab enough that you can win a game two to one against a team that probably should beat you and we did it and boy it was a lot of fun there was some really good characters on that team and my first impression of England being the north it was Reminded me a bit of Canada that was pretty hard, hard knocks place to play, but boy, they sure took you in with open arms. And I made a lot of friends there actually away from the rink. Um, I'm a bit of a fly fisherman and I was walking around the, the town there and I walked into a, a fly fishing store and there was a man there that I ended up becoming friends with him and his wife, Brian and Donna. I still talk to to this day. So it just shows you how welcoming they are. Uh, they even came to visit me here in England a few times to become family friends. And 
it's just the open open house policy there and, and much like coventry too i still have friends that i talk with there quite often well you've uh, you've just touched on coventry and uh we might as well move into that direction now so you were playoff winning in newcastle like you mentioned um am i right in thinking tomo met you at heathrow airport to get the move to coventry over the line no, we met at the playoff weekend because um, there was a Swedish agent there and Tomo was there watching the playoffs and we were all gathered at the hotel room after and Michael Tasker was a part of Newcastle and he's good friends with Tomo. And so Tasker had started to talk to me about uh, Tomo and Coventry and then we met each other and there might have been a meeting somewhere in an airport or something where we put the the pen to the paper before I went back to Canada. I can't remember, but uh, Tom was such a, a gentleman of the game and so easy to talk to and a good recruiter and personable, you know, his probably biggest strength as a coach is how personable he is with all the players and he, you really feel that he cares and he does care. And, um, you know, he was a big reason why I came to Coventry, just, just the personality that he is. Definitely. And, uh, well, you You've seen the Sky Dome before being a Blaze player, and then you obviously had a couple of seasons in the Sky Dome as a Blaze player. What was your impression of the rink in itself? Because it it gets its bad rep and it gets pulled for this and that. But as a player, what was it like? I loved playing in, in the Sky Dome, to be honest. It was always loud when we were there. I know when we were in Newcastle, all the guys said they hated playing there, but that was because the year before the Blaze had such a good team. And I think the first game we went in there in Newcastle and, and we beat them and they, everybody was so crazy. And, and it was my first year in the league and everybody was so crazy about how big of a deal it was to beat them. And so it's a tough place to win in. But boy, when we played at home there, I don't think you could count the number of games we lost at home. Well, I played there for two years in two hands, maybe one hand. We were almost unbeatable at home. So that, that's a good sign that we like to play there. Yeah, I mean, the 06-07 season, special team, uh, Reed Simonton, Sammy Nasruddin in front of you and Neil Marty and Cloutier, the list goes on. Um, it was a fantastic season and obviously we won the league that year. How, how, what was going through your mind when we finally got it over the line? I think the two years I played there, we won the league both years, so... <laughs> You can't have bad memories on any of that. It was just a fun place to play, and it's even more fun when you're winning. And the team that Tomo assembled both years was, you know, like I said, almost unbeatable at home, and we had good defense. We had players that could score. He just knew how to make the right combinations. And it's not easy to do every year, but he had it there with – and you see it with teams that went off, and they have the core group of guys that, just bringing the level of those new players coming in up a level. And he had it for a few years there. And, and it's not easy to get back if you don't have it. And it's it's contagious when you do have it. So, you know, kudos to him for putting that together for so many years. So after the, your first season in Coventry, surely uh, coming back for your second season was uh, second season was an easy decision. Let me think back. Um, I had some offers to go other places, but I hadn't finished my MBA at the time. I had the, the bit of a complication with my dad there the last season where 
I wasn't sure I was going to finish the season. And so my MBA wasn't done. And then Tomo sweetened the package a little bit more. So I finished the MBA and came back for one more season. And to be honest, I probably should have left after the first season because the money in Europe was better than it is now. Uh, but that being said, we had such a good group of guys. And when you win, it's so much fun to come back. And all the guys were good to be around. And Tom was a convincing salesman. So I thought that I'd come back for one more year. And the fact that I did was a pleasure because we ended up winning two or three more trophies that year. And uh, it's nice to leave on a high note. And at that time, it was it was time to leave. You know, many guys left, so it was just the right time. But it wasn't a hard decision at all. Coventry is, is a fun place to play. That's good to hear. Uh, obviously, uh, your last the last season, your second season with us, uh, we fell short in the uh, final of the playoffs, losing two 0 to Sheffield. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, being in such a high by winning the league, how difficult is it to take it when you lose the playoffs and you know, when you go into your next season, your new season, does that affect you still? No, the next season I had gone to Europe and it was it was time. I mean, in England, obviously, the league is the big trophy to win and rightfully so. It's 56 games. you got to be the best team. The playoffs in England, they're kind of a bonus where it's four games or two games and it's such a nice, sweet cap to win the playoffs and I was fortunate enough to do it with Newcastle I never was able to do it with Coventry and it's it's a hard one to win because you have to be ready that weekend it's two games and you got to win them both and uh, we came up against the Sheffield team that they were perhaps more prepared or more motivated because they hadn't won anything and we had and we just couldn't score and they got one I think in the first where it was a deflection and then the second was a funny bounce and two nothing. That, that's a good game. That's a goaltender's battle. And they won that battle. Many say that in a playoff series, if you play best of the seven, the best team usually wins in a one game playoff. It, it can sometimes be a, a team that shouldn't win, you know, much like that, that Newcastle team that won two, one against Sheffield. I think if we play them in a best of seven, we don't beat them, but in a one game playoff, I think anybody can beat anybody. No. Yeah. That's a fair assessment. A lot of people have, that we've had on have said that as well, Trevor. So it's it's clearly a, a running uh, theme there. But obviously after that second season with ourselves, you, you move over to the European leagues. You have a stint in Denmark uh, and Norway. Uh, in the middle of that sandwich there was a, a short spell back in Canada. And then you return to UK shores by uh, joining us in 2015 in the Elite League again with Dundee. Um, how does that move come about? Because obviously you've, you've taken a couple of years away from the UK leagues. Did, did Dundee reach out to you or were you looking to try and get back into the UK? It was something where I think it was a lockout year or a, I can't remember what had happened, but there wasn't many contracts around. So I was sitting here in Denmark and thinking, well, should I hang it up? Should I hang it up or should I stop? And then Christmas came around and I think hockey started again. I can't remember what the scenario was. Maybe it wasn't that season. They all start to blend together after playing so many times. (laughs) But uh, Dundee had a goalie that was leaving. And Sheffield actually had a goalie that was leaving. And Tomo was coaching in Sheffield. And um, I thought, well, it's two months. I can handle it. My son is only six or eight months old here. I can handle it for two months to go play for a bit and have one more kick at the can and have some fun. And I knew some players on that team and I thought, well, let's go have some fun for one last bit here. And 
finish up where I kind of started, kind of making a, a loop around, starting in England and finishing in England. So it was a fun time. It's a fun city, Dundee. It impressed me with um, all the different characteristics. We didn't have the best team, but we had a chance to upset Cardiff in the in the playoffs. We beat them in their arena. Then we bust back 12 hours and they got up early in the morning and flew back and they were a little more fresh and they beat us in our arena and that was the end of it. But it would have been, been fun to go back to the playoff weekend again because uh, it's such a fun time to be a part of that playoff weekend. Definitely a fun situation to be in. Um, I'm just going to dive in slightly, Trevor. The um, meeting's got five minutes left on it, it's saying, so it might kick out if it does. We'll send another link for you. We're literally on the last couple of questions now, but I don't want it to cut okay. off halfway through. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll start with it anyway, and then we'll, we can pick up where we're at. Um, yep. So the, the final question from me for this episode, uh, we've asked it all of our previous guest lists, and we get quite a robust amount of answers. From your playing career, which you've touched on has been quite lengthy, yeah. who <laughs> would be your all-time top six who you've played with a netminder, two D men, three forwards. <laughs> I wish she would have asked me this or give me a heads up yesterday so I could <laughs> prepare. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to think back so far. I mean, you could make it top six for perhaps best players, and then you could make it top six for best guys, and you could make it top six for funniest guys. So that's a tough, tough one to answer. Uh, I think my best backup goalie was a goalie in San Diego by the name of Chris Klassen, only because um, yeah, we used to have a saying that he was a guy that could kill you with kindness. Such a nice guy, uh, decent goalie, but didn't mind being backup and was supportive and always happy and uh, came to the rink with a smile. And, you know, it's not easy to be a backup goalie and be supportive and not think, hey, why don't I get a chance? So. I would choose him. Um, I would say on defense, I liked our pairings of uh, Sammy Nazardine and Neil Martin. We'll put those two guys on there because we need some some Coventry Blaze on there. <laughs> Tough to beat two those two guys. Sam. Yeah, Sammy with his defensive prowess and, and Neil with pretty much everything. And again, two great guys too. So tough to beat those players. Oh... Yeah, on the forwards, I mean, I like the forwards that are tough to play against. So a guy like Sylvain Cluche, you, you couldn't go wrong with a guy like that. Captain and tough to play against, super great supportive guy. Uh, and then maybe we'll go with a Newcastle guy like Shuggy Johnson. He was just a fun guy to be, Sean Johnson. Just a fun guy. Him and him and Michael Tasker, you can put those two guys out there. Uh <laughs> Not much skill. They love to graft. <laughs> great, great in the dressing room. That Newcastle accent. You couldn't beat those two guys. So that could be a fun life. And then for a coach, you'd have to put Paul Thompson. He's just top notch, top notch man. You can't say anything bad about that guy. Definitely a top notch line there and a top notch coach, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, that's the last question for me personally. So I'm going to go to a quick round robin with the rest of the guys. I'm going to go to Ross first. Ross, anything for you, mate? No, nothing from me. Super. I'm going to go to Danny next. Danny, anything from you? No, nothing from me. Okay. And finally, anything more from you, Scott? 
Yeah, just a couple of questions on your time in Coventry, really, uh, Trevor. So we had some stellar guys uh, scoring goals, Calder and Carlson and uh, Cloutier, but we also had our head coach, Danny Stewart, played alongside you. What what was Danny like to as a teammate? Oh, he's a great guy to have on your team, that's for sure. I wouldn't want to play against him. But uh, firecracker for sure and spoke his mind and, and uh, you know, you knew where you had him. That was a good thing about Danny. He didn't bullshit around. If you pissed him off, he let you knew. And if you did something good, he also let you knew. So that that's a good quality to have. There was no hidden agenda or anything. He he said what he meant. Said what he he, he meant what he said, and he said what he meant. And uh, you know, I saw him fight. What the hell was the guy's name in Cardiff? Voth was that his name? The yeah, Voth, six yeah. foot seven. Yeah. Oh, if you got a player on your team that's a hundred, you know the Rudy, the Rudy story. You're a hundred and nothing. You're you weigh nothing, and you're taking on the biggest guy in the league. So, you know, big heart on the, on the guy. And he wasn't af- afraid to find conflict on the ice, off the ice, on the team, off the team. But uh, I think he did it with, with the best intentions. And, uh, you know, the one time we were in Cardiff and he took on both because he did something to one of our players. You know, that just speaks volumes for the guy. And that's why he's a coach there now. He, uh, he, uh, he sticks up for his teammates. Yeah, so... Not surprising then that he is now a coach. Obviously, uh, you also mentioned uh, Mr. Michael Tasker earlier. He's, he's mm-hmm. a bit of a character. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any uh, arable stories that you could tell us about him? I think every team should have a Michael Tasker and a Danny Stewart, to be honest. You need, uh, you look at a Boston Bruins team, they got a Brad Marchand, a guy who can play and stirs it up. And I'm sure he's a, he's a bit of a shit disturber in the dressing room, too. And uh, a guy like Michael Tasker, when things aren't going right, he'll just say that funny thing or do that stupid thing and just take the tension off. And there's plenty of Michael Tasker stories, but none of them that can be said on the air. And, and maybe he should write a book before he retires and then let it let it loose, you know, right before he dies. Not <laughs> because there's some stuff he did that just is priceless. Um, I think some of the funniest stuff is how he thought he had the best one-timing slap shot in the league and he never hit the net. <laughs> and I'd let him score a few times in practice just to make his ego a little better because if I didn't, I think he'd get pretty depressed. But uh, uh, I would put Michael Tasker on my team no matter what. And I think <laughs> there were times Tomo, he didn't know why he signed him the one year and Michael Tasker said, that's just because I'm the entertainment director for the team. I keep everybody in order and he wasn't far off. It was great to have him on the team. Talking of people scoring, did you let James P score against you in practice or was that just a no-go? I don't think he ever ever shot on me. I don't know. Um, I think James was another player that was good to have on the team. Um, British guy that just kept quiet and did his job. And You know, I don't think he really wanted to score any on goals in any games because then he would lose the mystique of James P's. Um, I'm sure he could have, but I don't think he wanted to. He liked that have that little stigma of uh, I'm just not scoring any goals, and that's my that's my signature. Uh, and he's another guy that would stick up for anybody on the team. You know, we had enough players like that that anything happened, he was there to stick up for you, and that was nice to have. 
Yeah, and I think you had, in both your years there, you had uh, Casey Timmons one year, who I've, it was, you speak to the guys around the league, a really underrated player. And then you had Ruman and uh, the year before, so the, the guys could have been well looked after. Yeah, especially with Ruman. I mean, he just skated around and nobody wanted to do anything. Uh, Casey, he, he had a little bit more skill. Not that Ruman didn't have skill. He had skill in other ways. He was good defenseman. and He thought he was offensive, but he was just a good, solid defenseman that kept the net clean and kept in front clean. And you need those type of guys. Where Casey, he, he did have some skills and he was tough as nails. So you need those players and we had them. I'm not sure if the British League is still like that, but back then you needed those players. The league has changed a lot then like well, like all the leagues really over the last 10 15 years and uh, even like the last season i think last season blaze had under double figures of fights across the whole season whereas years gone by you'd have 10 in pre-season so it has changed a lot mm. there's still the accountability element to a degree and fights are more sticking up for bad actions than the stage fights but it has changed a lot from when you were here all those mm-hmm. years back yeah well from that then that is all we've got for this evening's episode so thank you very much trevor for taking time to join us this evening really appreciate it this is all for this week's episode of the third period podcast hopefully we'll all be back in ice and watching some hockey soon stay safe everyone thanks guys we have a special announcement to make. On the 23rd of February, Sky Brabuck is turning 18. We hope you have a great birthday. I know it's not the situation you wanted right now, but let's hope it's a good one. Thank you for your continued support from all of us here at the Third Period Podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Third Period Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to check out Willie's Ice Hockey Emporium for all your ice hockey needs. <laughs>